All right. All right. Hey, my friends, welcome to this episode of Real Live Talk. So excited that you guys are here to check out this episode. And I am uh, going to be all by myself today. Uh, normally, if you're just uh, checking out this podcast for maybe the first time or something like that, normally I have a guest with me. Uh, which is normally a conversational format, but uh, I also like to talk. And so every once in a while, I do one of these by myself, only when I truly have something on my heart that I uh, just believe is going to bring some blessing and add some value to your life. So yeah, I'm going to tell you in a second what we're going to talk about today, but I do hope that the content of this episode does bless you, or if you can find some kind of value in it, if you are interested in finding a way that you can uh, support this podcast, this channel, um, you can do that by uh, subscribing on one of the podcast platforms, liking the Facebook page, which is Real Live Talk Podcast, or uh, leaving a review or a star rating or a comment or something like that. All of those things are super helpful. Tell a friend. I'd really, really appreciate it. And I do appreciate you for being here. The thing that's on my heart, I want to uh, just talk a little bit about faith, about how we can grow in faith and kind of about how faith works. And the reason that I, I want to do this is because what I find, and I've found this in my own life, and I find it with uh, with people from all walks of life, people in the ministry, out of the ministry, uh, I find that faith is kind of this misunderstood thing. Um, faith is kind of this, I feel like anyway, it, it can become over pedestalized to the point. Mean, I'm sure that's not an actual word, but it can be put up on this pedestal to the point that we feel like faith is difficult to attain to, that there's certain levels of faith that are only reserved for those that are in full-time ministry, or even not just for those in ministry, but for like the apostles and the prophets specifically, or, you know, people that have attained some kind of major, huge volume of ministry or following or whatever the case may be. And what we can do in faith sometimes is we can begin to compare ourselves. And I think it's good to emulate. And I think it's good to see people that you admire and, and respect and you like what they're doing. You see the, the way that God's moving on their life. You see the favor of God and you say, you know what? I want what that person has. I think that that's great. But I also think that we can get unhealthy with it really, really quickly if we're if we don't keep it in the right context. And, you know, one of the things that I think that we can do is we can do this comparison thing and we can say rather than it just being a point of admiration or honor, we can say, oh, you know what? I could never have the kind of faith that that person has or I wish I could do that. I wish I could do those kinds of things in ministry. I wish I could see the the sick healed when I pray for them. I I, I wish man, I, I, I wish I could raise the dead like that person does. I wish I could, you know, just believe God for these things. I wish I could hear God's voice in that way. And I just these different things that we do, I feel like a lot of times we can fall into this trap of comparison. And anytime we do that, what we do is we, we diminish the value of what we actually carry. And so I want to talk a little bit about faith and uh, just kind of demystify a little bit the subject of faith. And I hope that this blesses you. And I hope that this um, maybe just encourages you or maybe helps you get freed up in your thinking a little bit so that you can be free to walk in the fullness of what Christ has done for you, of what he's accomplished for you. I, I know I'm jumping ahead of myself. I kind of had an order in my head of the way I wanted to do this, but I can already see that's not going to happen. So we'll just kind of roll with it. 
Uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 3. It's kind of a key just verse for me in this discussion. Uh, Romans 12, verse 3 says, you know what? Let me read into it because, yeah, these verses are just so good. So I'll start in verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say, verse 3, through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. You know what? This is a verse that, I've heard used um, many times. I, I've I've heard used to kind of put, put to put yourself down or to kind of diminish again the the value of of who you are in the eyes of God. And it says, "Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but think soberly." And so, what we can do is we can make the mistake of using that to somehow justify having a low self esteem or to justify false humility. You know, false humility false humility disguises itself. Uh, you know, where we think that it's actually humility, but a lot of times it's not actual humility, it's false humility. It's not humility to think that you're less than what God says that you are. Just hope that maybe helps somebody get free real quick. It's not humility to settle for less than what God has for you. It's not humility to settle for less than what Christ accomplished for you on that cross, which by the way, Jesus accomplished everything once and for all that you will ever need. He paid the price for you. I know he paid the price for our sins and to bring us into eternal life. I get that. But salvation is more than just, I don't go to hell now. I I think that's the most important part. Uh, I think the fact that it opens what Jesus did for us, opens us up to access to the father, whereas Hebrews says we can stand boldly before the throne of grace where there's mercy and there's grace. That's absolutely incredible. Um, Jesus accomplished so much through his death, through his resurrection. And, and when we settle for less than what he has accomplished for us, you know, for me to think that I'm just a lousy sinner, I don't get to stand before God because I messed up or because I'm imperfect or because of whatever, it's actually devaluing what Jesus did because Jesus didn't give his life in the gruesome, horrible torturous way that he did so that we can continue to walk around living defeated lives. He did it so that we can walk in victory and experience freedom in every single area of life. What God has for you is incredible. And it's because he loves you so much. I mean, you, you, you can't be, you can't be a, uh, you know, sometimes we, we can think so low of ourselves. And the reality is, is that if God thinks so highly of you that he would send his son to die on the cross for you because he wanted you to be with him for eternity, I mean, shouldn't that tell you right there a little bit about who you are? I'm not talking about your behavior. I'm not talking about your mistakes and failures. I'm talking about who you are in the eyes of God, who God created you to be. You are so valuable. Your life is so valuable. And this is actually important. You know, I think that sometimes we, we have this fear in the body of Christ of 
thinking too highly of ourselves that we'll get, Oh, I, I, I don't want to get into pride. I don't want to get into, I don't want to, I don't want to get into pride because pride comes before the fall. And we get into this stuff where we kind of justify thinking badly of ourselves, condemning ourselves, putting ourselves down, having low self-esteem, thinking we're not worth it, thinking we're not worthy, judging ourselves, thinking that we don't qualify or that we don't measure up. And here's the deal. Like you don't, none of us qualify, none of us measure up in and of ourselves, but because of what Jesus did for us, he qualified us. He qualified you. And so it's not biblical for you to tear yourself down. It's not biblical for you to live under a misconception, to live under a lie that says that you're less valuable than what God says that you are. And so all that having been said, when this verse says, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but think soberly as God has dealt to each one the measure of faith. It's not saying you should not think highly of yourself. It's saying don't think more highly than you ought to think. In other words, don't think of yourself outside of the context of Jesus. Don't think of yourself outside of the context of what Jesus accomplished for you on that cross. Don't think of yourself outside of the context of what God thinks about you and who he created you to be. Because look, if we keep it in the right context, then we remember that, you know what? I'm not good because of anything that I've done. All the stuff that I've done has just brought harm and pain and, uh, and suffering and all kinds of things. I've done so many things to screw my life up. I am who I am and I am valuable in the eyes of God because of what he did, because of what Jesus did for me, because of the fact that a loving fully wise, powerful, incredible, perfect God, first of all, created us. And second of all, died for us to redeem our lives from destruction. I'm just saying that should tell you a little bit about who you are and how God thinks about you. And at the end of the day, the most important thing is what God thinks about you, not what your neighbor thinks about you or that kid at school or the dude on your job or whatever, your boss. It's, it's not about what they think about you. It's about what God thinks about you, what this word, what this book declares about who you are and who God created you to be. And so it's not biblical to think low of yourself. It's just that we're supposed to think of ourselves in the right context. We're not supposed to think of ourselves outside of the realm of what God has done for us. So do not uh, think of yourself more highly than you ought, but think soberly, level-headed, as God has dealt to each one. The, King, the New King James that I read says, a measure of faith. The King James Version uses the word the there. It says the measure of faith. The point is that God has given every single one of us a or the, however you want to look at it. Um, I think it's the, I think that that's um, from, from research and study. It seems like that's the original language. Either way, doesn't even matter a whole lot. The point is that God has given every single person on this planet. He's given every single one of his kids faith. You have faith. It's a gift from God. It's not because of you. It's not because of what you've done. It's not because you earned it. It's not because you proved yourself. It's not because of any of that. It's because God is who God is. And he's given to every man, it says, the measure of faith. And so let's not think of ourselves 
in this haughty way, in this prideful way, in this arrogant way, as if we've done something to attain or to achieve or to merit God's favor or merit the favor of others or whatever. We didn't do anything to deserve anything that we have. We have what we have because God is good, because God loves us, because God is faithful. And so let us not think of ourselves outside of the context of what Christ has accomplished for us and of what God has given to us outside of the measure of faith that God has given to us. Let us think of ourselves inside of the context of who God is and who he, who, who he's created us to be. And that's a healthy way to live. And then we get a healthy self-image. That's a great self-image. You can think so highly of yourself, but because of who he is, not because of what you've done. And when we keep it in the right context of who he is and what he's done for us, then it's, it, it helps us to understand who we are so that we can walk in the fullness of what he's accomplished for us. Because I, I'm telling you, if you think bad of yourself, if you think you're not good enough, if you think you're not worthy and you're constantly comparing yourself to other people, and look, I get that to a measure, we all do that. And we've all got to grow in faith and grow out of, <laughs> out of that kind of mindset. But the, the more we do that, the more we're just kind of diminishing the value of what we carry. And the reality is that you carry faith. You have faith. So let me, let, me, uh, let me read a couple more verses. So that's the first thing I wanted to point out is just the simple fact that it says that God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. And so we shouldn't think of ourselves haughtily or more highly than we ought. We shouldn't think of ourselves as like, oh, look how much faith I have. I'm so great. That's what the Pharisees did. They walked around like wanting everybody to look at them and to think they were so great. And it was this thing where people did compare themselves and people did have this idea of, oh, I could never be like that. I can never be like one of these religious leaders. They're so holy and they're so full of faith and they're so amazing and they're so blah, 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 blah. That's gross because it puts all of the light on me and my works and my merits. And that's nothing. The... Uh, <laughs> do I want to say that? The Bible says that all of my righteousness, that all of our righteousness is as filthy rags. I, we've become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, clothed in his righteousness. So why would I want to hold on to my righteousness that's like filthy, gross, disgusting, dirty rags? I want what he has what he's accomplished for me. Um, Ephesians chapter two. Ephesians chapter two. Man, my stomach is rumbling. I should have eaten before I did this. Uh, all right, we'll get through it. Ephesians chapter two, verse eight says, for by grace, you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works as anyone should boast. Let me read that again. By grace, you have been saved. We've, we've been saved by grace. We come to salvation. We come to the knowledge of God through, uh, by grace. It's only by grace, by the grace of God. But then it says through faith and that not of yourselves. So in order for us to get saved, in order for us to become a part of the family of God, faith was required for that. It's all by the grace of God and by what Jesus did for us. Jesus opened up the way. He's the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. It's all by his grace. It happens through faith. It happens. So that confession, you know, that you make out of your mouth to declare that Jesus is the Lord of your life. When you gave your life to Jesus, when, when you decided to turn your life over to him, to follow him, there was faith present 
And faith was necessary in order for that to happen. That required faith. It requires faith to pass from death to life. It requires faith to say, you know what? I, I'm, I'm lost. I'm stuck. I'm broken. I can't handle this anymore. Jesus, I'm giving my life to you. That requires faith. But what's really interesting here is that it says that faith, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Again, that connects back to Romans 12, verse 3. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. You didn't make this faith up for yourself. You didn't somehow conjure up some kind of faith that was required to get you saved and get you into the family of God. No, he gave it to you. It was a gift of God. So you started your relationship with Jesus in faith. Now let's read another verse that, that's just, it, it kind of ties all this together. Galatians chapter two, verse 20. And um, you know what? Let me read it from the, I think I have the King James version here. Um, yeah, Galatians chapter two, verse 20 in the King James version says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live yet not I, but Christ liveth in me and the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So. Now, we came to God in faith because he gave it to us. He's given us the measure of faith. He's given us this, this gift. Faith is a gift from God. And it says here in Galatians 2.20 that the life that we now live in the flesh, and that's not flesh in a negative sense. That's just like we're, we're, we're flesh. We're, we're made of skin and bones and stuff that decomposes and stuff. We're made of flesh. The life that we now live here on the earth, in the flesh, in the physical form, we live by the faith of the Son of God. So it's actually his faith in me, his faith in you, that allows us to walk in Christ through this life. So we come to God in faith. He gives us this gift of faith. He gives us faith that allows us to come into the family of God to, you know, whatever, whatever, it is, confess our sins, confess that he's Lord, give our lives to him. And now it's by the faith of Jesus Christ himself that we now walk through this life. And, and I say all this to, to, to say, look, I, you, you may have had a thought before that, you know what? I just don't have any faith. I've been there for sure. Man, I don't have any. I feel like I don't have any faith or I don't have faith for this or I don't have faith to get past this hurdle, this obstacle, this challenge. I don't have faith to believe God for that that vision that he showed me, that dream, that promise that he showed me. I don't have that kind of faith. I don't have that person's level of faith. And we get back to the comparison thing. And when we make statements like that, I think what we're actually doing is we are misunderstanding the, the, the value of the authority that we carry because he gave it to us. It, it's not about making the excuse to say, well, I can't do that because I don't have faith for it. It's, it's about walking with God so that I can grow in faith so that these things that seem so impossible to me actually can become possible because with him, nothing's impossible. And so what I want to get to um, is uh, in Luke chapter 17. I absolutely love this passage of scripture. In Luke chapter 17, in the first few verses, Jesus is talking to his disciples about forgiveness, about walking in forgiveness. And in verse four, we have this famous verse, you know, if your brother comes to you uh, seven times in a day, um, 
saying to you, you know, I repent, you need to forgive him and all that. And so it's, it's this thing that it can be kind of difficult and challenging to hear, right? When we talk about forgiveness, we've probably all been there. I know I've been there. There's been people in my life where it's like, I don't want to forgive this person. This person's, you know, really being a jerk. They don't deserve it, whatever. But Jesus is, is talking about the level of forgiveness that he actually requires us to walk in in the kingdom is unrelenting. It's unrelenting forgiveness. It's letting people go. It's setting people free. It's, it's not holding people to uh, not holding people hostage to the mistakes that they made and to the, the tricks that they pulled on us or wh whatever they've done. It's letting people go so that we can walk in freedom. And so he's talking about that in verse four. And then in verse five, the disciples, they say to the Lord, increase our faith. And it, it's just funny to me that it comes in response to this discussion on forgiveness of if your brother comes to you seven times in a day, I mean, just forgive him. And so they, they respond, increase our faith. And this is interesting to me because, of course, they've been watching Jesus, right? We're in Luke chapter 17. So they've experienced lots of stuff, lots of miracles, lots of breakthrough. Um, they've seen incredible things happen, all kinds of healing take place, miracles. And they've also just seen the lifestyle of Jesus. They've seen his attitude through persecution, through, you know, the ridicule and mockery of the religious leaders through all this stuff. They've seen his attitude. They've seen his heart. They've seen his compassion. They've just seen his willingness to walk free and to walk in forgiveness, to walk humbly before God. They've seen this. And so they, they recognize, I imagine in this moment that, you know what, something's lacking in my life. And so let me ask Jesus for more because I know he has it right. It's, it's great. It's awesome. But what Jesus gets at when Jesus responds, it actually really clues us in to how faith works, how faith really functions in the kingdom of God. And I think it's absolutely fascinating. So they say increase our faith. So in other words, I'm lacking faith. God, Jesus, give me more. Give me more of what you have because I don't have enough. And so in verse six, the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. So that's amazing. So Jesus, he says, if you have the faith of a mustard seed. Now, a mustard seed is an incredibly small seed. Most seeds are very, very small, but a mustard seed is very small, even just for a seed. So a mustard seed is very, very small. So he says, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots. What Jesus is getting at there is look, this is not a scenario where this is about you, you having more faith. This is about you actually learning to walk in the faith that you have. And so it's not about getting more faith. It's about using the faith that you have. And this is what God calls us to do in the kingdom. And it's interesting to me that he relates faith to a seed because there's one thing that every seed has in common. It's the capacity for growth. There's life within a seed, but that seed, you know, sitting on this table, sitting on the shelf, sitting in a bag of seeds at Walmart or whatever, like that seed has potential inside of it, but the potential for life, the potential for growth, the potential for increase, nothing happens until what? That seed has to be planted. The seed has to be planted. It has to be put into use. It has to be put to work. 
in order for what's inside of it to come out, in order for that growth and that expansion to take place. And so if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled by the roots, be planted in the sea. The, the point isn't to, you know, so that we can be commanding trees what to do. That's not the point. The point is that that's an impossible thing. That's an impossible task. That's not something that you can do in the natural, just walk up to a tree and tell it to move and it moves. No, that's something that requires supernatural happening. It's supernatural faith is required. And so what he's saying, what he's getting at there is if you have the faith, even just a tiny minuscule amount of faith, it's enough to accomplish the impossible. So what this says to me is that you and I really don't have a right to diminish our faith. We really don't have a right to say, to use as an excuse, let me say. I don't think there's anything wrong with recognizing, you know what? I feel like my faith is weak right now. I feel like that. I don't think think there's anything wrong with that. what, what, What I think we get into trouble with is when we use it as an excuse to say, I can't have that because my faith isn't there. Because Jesus says, look, they asked him for more faith, which sounds like an amazing request. I love that request. God, I need more. God, give me more faith. But it's interesting to me that Jesus responds saying with such a tiny amount of faith, like this tiny little mustard seed, you can accomplish the impossible. It's not about how much faith you have. It's about using the faith that you have. Because within that seed of faith, there's life. Within that seed of faith, there's the ability to to, to experience breakthrough. And so um, in James chapter 2, verse 17 it's where we we see that faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. So it's possible to have dead faith. It doesn't mean you have no faith. Because <laughs> remember, God has given to every man the measure of faith. But it's possible to have dead faith. It's also possible if we back up in James to James chapter one, and I think it's verse, I think it's verse six. Um that if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally. But then it says, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. So we can talk to God, we can pray, we can ask God for things, and we can ask God for things. Based on that verse, it tells me that we can ask for things, we can pray without faith. In other words, there's a we, we can ask God for, for things because maybe we're complaining or because maybe we're we're scared or something like that. And you know what? No problem. I have no problem with any of it. I say go to God with whatever you have, however you feel, and and it's 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 great. It's going to be good. But he says ask in faith, which tells me that it's possible to ask not in faith. Right? And so faith without works is dead. In other words, faith without actions is dead. In other words, faith that is not being used is not producing anything. And so it might be that we've got this kind of dormant seed of faith because we've been unwilling to plant it. We've been unwilling to put it to work. And maybe it's been because we've undervalued what we carry, thinking that it's not enough, thinking that it's not good enough, thinking that we need some kind of an external thing to come in and to give us more, to fill us with more so that we can do these things that we want to do in life. And in reality, Jesus is telling his disciples, look, it's not about me giving you supernaturally more faith. 
It's about you recognizing the value of what you carry so that you can take the faith that you already have and put it to work. Because as you put your faith to work, it produces, it grows, it increases, it expands. We begin to grow in faith as we operate in faith, as we exercise our faith. And, you know, I think this is a really good picture. You know, if I want to grow my muscles, what do I need to do? I need to work them out, right? I need to exercise them. This has been the same thing since the dawn of time, since the dawn of time, <laughs> since forever. If you want to build a muscle, you need to exercise it. You need to work it out because God designed the muscles of your body. Like God designed your bicep with the capacity already built in within it to stretch, to grow, to expand. But a muscle that's not used over time atrophies, it weakens, it loses its ability to perform. So if you want your muscle to grow, you've got to work it out so that it can be stretched, so that it can be built up, and so that it can grow. It's got the potential within it to do it, but it takes some work on your part. And there's all kinds of things that we that we do nowadays, you know, in the natural to try to get bigger muscles. Like we we talk about, you know, dieting and the food we eat. Think it's great. It's an it's a it's an important part of it. Reading books. You know, we can read all kinds of books. We can pay for online courses. We can pay for a gym membership. We can pay for a personal trainer. We can even go crazy. And I do not advocate this at all, but you can go crazy and inject some kind of crazy substance into your body to try to get your muscle to grow. Don't do that. But there's people that do that. There's protein you can take. There's supplements. There's creatine. There's all kinds of things that people use nowadays to get bigger muscles, <laughs> But at the end of the day, you can spend thousands of dollars to accumulate knowledge and resources and all this kind of stuff. But if you don't actually put in the work to exercise the muscle, it's still not going to grow. It's still not going to get stronger. So in the same way with my faith, you know, I can go to all kinds of Christian conferences and I can buy Christian books and I can read them and I do and I love books and I think that they're great supplement and they're helpful. And it's great to, you know, be in community and to talk about faith and to, to do these different things, to go to church, to hear messages, to watch YouTube videos, to listen to podcasts that talk about faith or the things, might not even be talking about faith, but things that build your faith. Amazing. And I think we should do as much of it as possible. And I think it helps us. But at the end of the day, if I'm not willing to get out of my comfort zone and to take a step of faith and put my faith into action, then I'm really limiting the capacity of that faith that I carry to produce, to grow, to stretch, to expand. God designed your faith to be stretchy, but you've got to push the boundaries of it. Because right now you've got a certain level of comfort. Right now there's a certain level of comfort that I live in, in in terms of faith. And if I want to get to the next thing that God has called me to do, inevitably I'm going to have to push beyond the borders of where I'm comfortable. Faith requires risk. Growing in faith requires risk. It requires me stepping outside of my comfort zone, stepping outside of what I of, of what I know, stepping outside of, you know, just where I've 
come from? And to recognize that, you know what, God has called me to an adventurous lifestyle where it's from glory to glory, from grace to grace, where faith, faith grows and I grow in the faith that God has given to me. And I learn how to walk in and to operate in the faith that God has given to me. So, you know, there might be people that are doing such incredible things in faith, whether it's in the ministry world or if it's in the business world or it's being incredible moms and dads and all kinds of stuff because faith works and flows in every area of our lives. God wants you to walk in faith, to see breakthrough happen, to believe him for the impossible. And it might just be not that we don't have faith, but it might be that we just haven't yet learned how to walk in the fullness of the faith that God has given to us. And the more we learn to sow the faith that we have, to use the faith that we have, look, I don't care. And even if we, I don't know how quantities and stuff like that of faith work in the kingdom of God, if that exists or not, I really don't know. I honestly don't think it matters because if you have the faith as a mustard seed, it's enough to do the impossible. The point is that it's got to be put into action. It's got to be put into use so that it can begin to grow and expand. And so the thing about faith is, well, let me, let me, let me read this. Um, Mark chapter 11, just to give some context for the next thing that I want to say to you. Mark chapter 11, verse 22. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. <laughs> have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, it's another one of these things about talking to the tree, talking to the mountain now, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. So we're talking there again about moving mountains, about doing things that are impossible in the, in the context of the will of God, right? So, but he says, have faith in God. Another way to translate that is have the God kind of faith, the kind of faith that God has, which by the way, remember the faith that you have is, the faith of the son of God. It's God's faith. It's Jesus's faith. So have that kind of faith. And then he starts talking about believing in your heart. Because here's the thing is that faith really flows out of the context of what you believe. Your belief system, what you believe in your heart is so important. I believe that the heart is the reservoir for all of the things that you have come to accept as truth in your life. So you know, there might be some things going on in there that you might have some beliefs that are really, really good. And you might have some beliefs that are really, really bad. If you have a belief that says that God is only good to you some of the time, like sometimes we walk around with stuff that we might not even realize that's there. Like we can all sing the songs and we can quote the quotes and all the stuff about how God is good all the time and all the time God is good. But it's another thing for me to be living my day-to-day -day life and actually live in the abundance of the reality of that statement that God is always good, that God is always faithful, that his goodness actually follows me, that his goodness and mercy follows me all the days of my life, that I actually believe, it's, it's one thing to say it, to, to confess it, to declare it, 
It's another thing to really believe it, that it's rooted and grounded in my heart because what's rooted and grounded in my heart defines my life. It, it, it's part of me. You know, I can have thoughts in my head, but once they make their way down into my heart, they really become part of me, part of my belief system. And my faith responds to what I believe. So, uh, I don't want to get into the weeds here too much. <laughs> Let's see if I can do this quickly. So, th thoughts pass from thoughts to beliefs. I believe through a period of uh, or through a process of repetition, generally speaking. So, you know, maybe you begin to think something about yourself, maybe because somebody told you something negative about yourself. Maybe somebody told you that you're ugly or that you're not good enough. You're not good at your job. You're not good at business. You're not good at organization. You're not good at whatever it is. And so you start to take that thought to heart. You know, maybe one person says it and you don't really like that person too much. So you can kind of shrug it off. But then maybe somebody closer to you that you actually value their opinion says something to you that kind of hurts you and you start to kind of take it to heart a little bit more. And now you kind of start to think about it, kind of start to ponder it. You start to kind of meditate on it. You know, to meditate is just to think about the same thing really over and over again. For a lot of us, that looks like anxiety and worry and stuff that we walk through life with and we just think about wrong things, negative things, so much so that it passes from a... a it, from just a thought, from a occupying space in our brain, to actually occupying space in our heart. When I'm pointing to my heart here, for anybody watching, I don't literally mean this organ pumping blood in my chest. Um, but anyway, the the heart is the is the seat of of our belief system. And so, you know, Proverbs tells us that out of the heart spring the issues. Out of the heart flow the issues of life. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? And so life flows. The things that we say, the things that we confess, the things that we think, the internal conversation and dialogue that goes on in our minds throughout the day, it flows from our heart. And so what we believe is really, really important because I can believe things that are true and I can believe things that are not true. I can believe a lie from the enemy and I can carry that thing for years of my life, not even recognizing that it's there, not recognizing that it's actually stagnating my growth or it's limiting my potential to walk in faith. Because maybe I don't believe that God's going to actually come through for me if I take the step of faith. Maybe I have a promise from God that he's going to bring expansion into my life or ministry or family or business or whatever it is. And maybe I'm afraid to take that next step because I don't really fully believe that he's going to be there for me. Maybe I've had some failures in the past. Maybe I've tried to trust God in the past with some things and they haven't panned out the way that I foresaw them or the way that I thought that they would. And so now I might have this perception that God's not as good as he says he is or that he's not as faithful to his promises as I thought he was. And I'm sorry, but our perception really does become our reality. If I perceive something to be true, it, it's as if it's true. And I might have some really faulty information going on in my brain, and but I can live from that and not even recognize that anything's wrong because my subconscious mind, your subconscious mind, one of its main functions is to keep you feeling comfortable and to keep you feeling safe. And unfortunately, your comfort zone 
can be really, really negative. You know, living under a lie can become your comfort zone. Living J-O-B, just over broke, or living in poverty, or feeling like you're that's what you deserve. You know, and I don't want to be uh, in, I'm not trying to be inflammatory. I'm just giving examples of, of things that I've seen either in my life or that, or that I've seen in the lives of other people. And so I don't, there's nothing condemning here from my end. Um, I, I, I want God's people to walk in freedom. We all have stuff. We all have baggage. We all have stuff that we carry zero condemnation coming from me. And I, I hope that no condom, you know, nothing sounding con condemnatory. No, that's not a word. Maybe it is, uh, is coming out, but you know, maybe it's, it looks like walking from one bad relationship to the next because there's this lie in the back of your head because of some experiences from your past that that's all that you deserve. Maybe you can't see how beautiful you are. Maybe you can't see how valuable you are because other people have put you down, spoken negatively over you, and you've taken it to heart and it's formed part of the way that you think and the way that you perceive yourself. And so out of the abundance of that, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks and out of the heart flow the issues of life. And so, you know, we can walk through life making all kinds of decisions, responding the way that we respond. And it, it could be based on some really bad information. It could be based on some stuff that's just simply not true. And so, um, look, I want to pause for just a second. And I just really sense this really, really strongly. I just, God, I just, I just speak over anybody right now that's watching or listening to this that is struggling with some kind of a lie of the enemy that says that they're not good enough, that they're not worth it, that they're not worthy, that um, they're disqualified because of their mistakes. Anybody that's carrying around uh, some kind of a lie from the of the enemy, some kind of a lie maybe from their past, th something that s other people have put on them, Lord, that's causing them to live in fear, that's causing them to to just settle for less than what you have for them, God. God, I just break the curse of those lies in Jesus' name. I cancel the enemy's assignment against your life right now. And I just declare and just release freedom over you in Jesus' name. God, I just declare freedom over every mind, freedom uh, to just walk in the fullness, that they'd be able to see themselves how you see them. Ask you for just a supernatural, just divine infusion of your love and your grace into their heart right now, Father. Holy Spirit, shine a light on anything that needs to be just exposed, any kind of lie that needs to be exposed so that it can be just taken care of and rooted out, God. I just declare, God, that this is uh, that you've called us to walk in freedom. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. So I just declare freedom in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, and so... What was my next point? Oh, talking about how our, so our faith responds to what we believe. Our faith responds to our belief system. And it's really, really important because, again, you know, if I might have a promise from God that I'm trying to stand on, but if my heart tells me that God's not going to be faithful to bring it to pass, then what I've got is, 
I'm going to have a really hard time actually taking a legit step of faith. And so my belief system becomes really important. So if you find that, you know, you're having a faith fight or a faith struggle, or you're having some maybe faith issues in your life, you're not seeing faith flow in your life like you would like to, my encouragement is number one, there's going to be two things I'm going to encourage you to do. The, the, the first thing is to actually check your belief system because very rarely is faith actually the problem. Um, a lot of times the problem is in here or in, in here, in between our ears. The problem is the way that we think, honestly. Our, our, our problem is that we, we don't think like God thinks. Which is why I read that verse earlier in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, that we're transformed by the renewing of our minds. Because we've got to think like he thinks. And it happens as we, as we worship him, as we contemplate him, as we draw near to him, as we spend time with him, we begin to think like him. Who he is rubs off on us and we are able to step into the fullness of the image of who he's created us to be because that, that word transformation is actually a process of metamorphosis. That's the, that's the Greek word, metamorpho. It's, it's a metamorphosis. It's not just that I'm changing from one thing to another. It's not that I, it, it, it's that there's an unveiling taking place. It's that the capacity to think like God thinks is already there, but we've got it through this process of meditating on his word and drawing near to him and just spending time with him and spending time in intimacy with him that we can learn his heart and learn how he thinks. It's that incubation process that, um, what's the, what's the, what's the word that, uh, the well anyway i'll just i'll just stick with it's it's that process of metamorphosis that process of transformation that's ongoing is throughout our entire lives we're never going to fully arrive at it um here on earth anyway but it's that that process of drawing near to him that causes us to see things for what they are and see things for what they're not so that we can change our thinking bring our thinking more into alignment with his way of thinking so that when we see an impossible in the natural task where God gives us an impossible in the natural assignment that our mind goes because uh, <laughs> we have the mind of Christ, right? So our mind goes, uh, yeah, this will work. Oh yeah. Th this is really impossible for me, but nothing's impossible for God. And I know that he's with me. I know that he's for me. And I know that he's called me and I know that he's promised. And so no problem. And so we're going to walk through this together. You know, faith looks a lot like being more overwhelmed by God and his goodness than by the circumstances that we face. It looks, it looks an awful lot like just being overwhelmed and infatuated with who God is. And if we could just learn to live there, if we could just learn to live in that place of being just overwhelmed by how good he is, overwhelmed by how loving and faithful and compassionate and kind he is, then walking in faith will be a natural byproduct of that. Uh, let me let me read a, maybe a couple more verses and I'll, I'll wrap this up. Um, Romans, go back to Romans chapter 10, verse 17. And I'll read it in um, the New King James, but I really love it from the Passion Translation. Shout out to the Passion Translation. Um, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. 
The Passion Translation says, let me see if I can remember. Um, Faith then is birthed. So good. Faith is birthed in the heart that responds to God's anointed utterance of the anointed one. So the anointed one being Jesus. Faith is birthed in the heart that responds to God's anointed utterance of Jesus. So in other words, well, I, I really just like th this, this paints a good picture for me. Maybe this will help. Faith is birthed in the heart that responds. F so much of faith comes down to responding to God, comes down to responding to his voice, to responding to his word, to responding to his promise. There's so many times in life, growing in faith, let me say this, growing in faith is so much <laughs> about responding to God. There are times when God will give you this little nudge that says, hey, I want to tell you something, or hey, I have an assignment for you, or hey, I want you to tell that person about how much I love them, or hey, I want you to lay your hands on that person and heal them, or you know, hey, I want you to grab your Bible because I want to show you something, or hey, step outside for a minute because I have something on my heart that I want to share with you, or whatever. There's these times where the Holy Spirit will nudge you, where he'll speak to you, where he'll be leading you and guiding you, and we can be so quick to dismiss that thing, thinking, oh, that's just me thinking. It's not always just you thinking because you have a Holy Spirit who lives inside of you, who is directing you into the love of Christ. And he wants to commune and fellowship with you. And if we would stop being so quick to dismiss the thoughts that come into our mind and to just entertain those thoughts every once in a while to say, you know what? I think God is speaking to me right now. Let me respond. Because when you respond, it says faith is birthed in the heart that responds. When you respond to God, when you respond to the leading of the Holy Spirit, there is faith that is being produced, that is active to bring about breakthrough, to bring about a miracle. When God shows you somebody who's in a wheelchair in Walmart or at the mall or, or in line at Starbucks or whatever, and he shows you that person and he nudges you and however he gets the message to you, but maybe it's just being led by compassion. Jesus would often be moved by compassion and he would respond to the people that he had compassion for and all kinds of miracles would break out because so much of faith, let me, let me get to the, the last verse I'm going to read. So much of faith comes down to our love walk. Uh, I love this verse. It's almost a verse that you could just kind of read over and it's kind of hidden, but I think it portrays a really, really incredible truth. It says, uh, Galatians 5 verse 6, for in Christ, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything, but faith working through love. Faith working through love. Faith operating through love. Faith works through love. Love is such a big part of how faith works and how faith flows and how faith grows and increases in our lives. If we are led by love, if we're led by compassion, then it's going to automatically lead us to step outside of our comfort zone. Look, it's not always in my comfort zone, depending on where I'm at or whatever. It's not always in my comfort zone to stop and to pray for the person in the wheelchair on the street corner or whatever, wherever it is. There's some places where it's very much in my comfort zone. And there's some places where I'm like, Oh God, I don't know about this. What are these people going to think about me? And I've got to step outside of my comfort zone. If I want to respond so that faith can be birthed in my heart and begin to flow through love. Jesus so often was moved with compassion and it would cause, you know, he'd be tired. The disciples would be tired. They'd have just done hours of ministry or walked from one part of town to the next or whatever. 
ready to take a little siesta, ready to get some lunch, ready to take a nap, ready to do something. And then there'd be more people and his heart would be moved with compassion. And inevitably he would set people free and he would cast out demons and he would heal the sick and he would raise the dead and all kinds of things would happen. Talk about demystifying faith. This is everyday life. Learn to recognize those moments where you just feel that tug on your heart of compassion. You might not have any idea what you're going to say until you actually take the step of faith to walk up to the person and open your mouth. And what comes out of your mouth might be so simple, but it might be exactly what that person needs to hear. I, I, heard, I heard a story one time. Um, so somebody uh, walked up to this woman who was in a park sitting on a bench, I think it was. And this guy walks up and just the simplest words came out of his mouth. He felt compassion for this person, didn't know anything about, about her. And just the simplest thing came out of his mouth. He just said, I just, I just want you to know that God thinks that you are amazing. And that was it. And he went about his day. And later on, this woman who was just in absolute brokenness, who was living a life of prostitution, and she was homeless. <laughs> Two years later, this woman was in church. She was saved. She was free. She was a homeowner. She had a job, like a real job, not sex work, but like, you know, a job making good money. I mean, this this woman was completely free. Redemption in her life happened on such an incredible level. And she testified in church that it started there with this person going out of their way and saying words that were so simple. You talk about a word from God, you know, that's uh, such a simple, that word would be true for anybody, but it's what he felt in his heart for this woman. And so he said it. And it completely changed the trajectory of her life. You just never, you just never know. And I, I, I think about, you know, how many missed opportunities, how many opportunities have I missed? How many times have I missed the opportunity to step out in faith because I didn't feel like I was full of, that's a word for somebody. How many opportunities have we missed to step out in faith because we didn't feel like we were full of faith in the moment? You know, so I, I said uh, two things that I wanted you to think about if you if you feel like faith isn't necessarily flowing in your life to the extent that it, that you want or that it should be or whatever. Um, check your belief system. The next thing I would say is check your your love walk. Just check your love walk because faith flows through love. Faith flows out of love. And so, you know, I don't need to feel like I'm super full of faith all the time. But if I'm willing to, to love my community, if I'm willing to love people, and, and, you know, love looks a lot like going out of your way, stepping outside of your comfort zone to bless. Whether that's, you know, I don't know what it looks like. It's not always this you know, religious looking thing or this spiritual looking thing. Sometimes it's just treating somebody with some humanity. You know, sometimes it's being the person who everybody's mad at the waitress because she's having a really bad day and she's messing up all the orders 
or the hostess because you know they're seating everybody wrong or the cashier because the line is so backed up and they can't figure out how the coupons work <laughs> you know whatever and everybody's chopping them up and biting their head off and you're the one person who legitimately maybe you've got somewhere to be and maybe you are running behind and I'll just be the first to tell you I'm so guilty of this I'm so guilty of getting stuck in my own world feeling like I'm late for something or I'm running behind and or or I'm just barely making it on time and then I I get stuck behind somebody in a line that's moving too slow and I start muttering stuff under my breath and cursing instead of blessing and it's just so anti Christ <laughs> It's if it's anti-love, Sean Bowles says, if it's if it's anti-love, it's anti-Christ. Let that sink in for a moment. How many anti-Christ things do we do in life because we're not operating in a spirit of love and kindness and compassion? That's who God is. And God wants people to be free. And he wants people to know how loved and valued they are. And you get to play a, a, a however big, small, whatever part of that, you get to play a part in that. And sometimes it's as simple as just, choosing to pay somebody a compliment when everyone else is tearing them down. And sometimes it's, hey, you know what? Uh, I feel like the Lord's leading me to pray for you. And sometimes it's being so bold to share a word of knowledge with somebody because you feel like the Lord is impressing upon your heart that, you know, this person um, is dealing with some kind of an issue or something like that. So you just step outside of your comfort zone in bold faith and deliver the word to that person that you that the, that the Lord is speaking to you. It, it looks all kinds of different ways, but what it doesn't look like is this ultra-spiritual, hyper-religious thing. You know, I, it's something I say all the time, heavenly-mindedness is not this super spiritual thing. You know, I like, I know people throw on this phrase, don't be so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. And I detest that phrase. Um, it's not in the Bible, by the way, if you thought it was that that phrase is not in the Bible. I get what people mean and I don't have a problem with what people mean. My problem with it is that heavenly mindedness is not hyper spiritual religiosity. Heavenly mindedness to be heavenly minded is to be mindful of the things that God is mindful of. And God's mindful of your neighbor. And God's mindful of the cashier. Whether they know him or not, whether they, whether they know how valuable they are, whether they know that God loves them, whether they've never heard the name of Jesus, whether they're stuck in some kind of a broken lifestyle or not, wherever they are, that person matters to God. They're an image bearer of God. That person matters to him. And God wants that person to know how loved and valued they are. And the fact that you and I have the privilege of walking through life, and I'm not saying that everywhere you go, every time you go somewhere that it's you've got to feel like you're on an assignment where you've got to be bringing heaven to, I mean, I'm, I, I, to each his own. There are people that, that walk and live life like that, and I have tremendous respect for those people. I don't personally walk through life feeling like I'm always on you know, that I'm on, that every store I go into, I've got to share some kind of word with somebody. But I should be willing to demonstrate the love of God everywhere that I go. Sometimes it's keeping my mouth shut 
you know, sometimes it's not necessarily um, saying anything to a specific person. Oftentimes it is. Sometimes it's sometimes it's none of that. But, you know, I can walk through life with such an attitude, such a blindness, such a scotoma to the people around me that I'm not even open. I'm not even open to the, the Lord tugging on my heart to go speak to that person because I'm dealing with my own crap, my own attitude, my own selfishness, whatever. And we all got stuff. We all go through life. We have bad days. I'm not talking about just a bad day. I'm just talking about, you know, what if that we allowed love to so take over our hearts, the love of Christ to so captivate our hearts that we were just open to being led by the Spirit, used by God to just add some value to somebody's life. I'm telling you, faith is so practical. Faith is so practical. It flows through love. And if we would learn to walk in that love and that compassion, because that compassion will compel you to step outside of your comfort zone, to love on people, to love on your community, to find ways to serve, man. It's, we bring the kingdom of God to earth. We bring heaven to earth through love, through compassion, through thinking the way that God thinks. And so I hope that that was encouraging. I hope that it made sense. I hope it didn't go too far off the rails. But uh, I wanted to kind of demystify a little bit the subject of faith because we, we can put it up on this ledge that, that says it's out of my reach. It's unattainable to me. That level of faith is unattainable. And it's not unattainable. It's not out of your reach. It's just, you know what? Let me, let me start to operate in the faith that I have now. Let me not wait for tomorrow when God's going to just supernaturally dump more faith into my heart. Let me actually be a faithful steward. That's a good word. I like that. Let me be a faithful steward of the faith that God has already given me because we've read several scriptures that prove to us that God has given you faith. If you think that you have no faith, read, the, read your Bible because your, your, your Bible tells you that you do have faith because God gave it to you as a gift. So let us not undervalue or underappreciate the gift that God has given to us. Because when I undervalue the gifts that God has given to me, I will inevitably underserve the people around me and the people that I have an opportunity to interact with and encounter on a daily basis. So don't undervalue what you have. Recognize that the faith that you carry is incredible faith. It is Jesus level. It is the kind of faith that it's, it's Jesus's faith. It's God's faith. It's the faith of the Son of God is the faith that you walk through this life with. And so, um, if, if, we, if we would just allow our, our love to just compel us, to direct us into stewarding well the gift of faith that God has implanted into each and every one of us, that even if it starts on a small level, but we sow it, we plant it, we put it into action. Because as we put our faith into action, it, it increases and we grow in that faith that God has given to us. My friends, I, I thank you so much for checking out this episode. You guys are absolutely amazing. Don't forget to, uh, sub to uh, leave a review or a comment or something like that. 
depending on where you're listening to this, watching this, it really truly is helpful to me. It means the world. It helps uh, get these episodes in front of more and more people. Look, uh, I've got some really amazing guests coming up. I'm so excited for um, what's what's coming in the days ahead for this podcast. And so uh, thank you so much for listening. If you think that this episode here, this conversation on faith would bless somebody that you know, uh, share it with them. I just encourage you to do that. And I would really, really appreciate that. It means the world to me. Thank you so much. You're amazing. And uh, yeah, see you next time. God bless.